looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Past the Post for Sunday, August 20. Thanks for your company over the next hour. And thanks to Archer Park Racing for their support and sponsorship of Past the Post. Of course, as we said, go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. Well, it's still two weeks out until officially spring, but it feels like spring is in the air as far as the spring carnival is concerned because we had our first Group 1 yesterday, the Wing Stakes at Royal Randwick, and, of course, a big day at Caulfield as well with the Group 2 PB Lawrence. But there were a host of black-type races at both venues. We're going to dissect all of those and also look back at racing at Doomman yesterday. Michael Maxworthy joins me in the studio. Michael, good morning. Good morning to you, David. Yes, you've set the scene perfectly there. It was a great day yesterday, a great time of the year for most um, punting enthusiasts and just racegoers in general with the, the PB Lawrence Stake kicking it off at Caulfield yesterday and Mr Brightside doing what he did exactly 12 months ago and a $22,000 purchase you, you could have could have bought him for. He's now won $8.5 million. And, yeah, the Wink Stakes yesterday, uh, great to see Fangirl get that, that big Group 1 win at mm. Ramwick um, with, with Animo out of the way. She was just too good for them. And there are a lot of terrific runs in that race, and we'll discuss those a little later, David. You know, a lot of them heading off left, right and centre. What path are they going to take? The Beaten Brigade yesterday behind her. Lots of terrific racing there in Sydney yesterday and Caulfield. It's interesting at this time of year, here we are, you know, mid-August, we've got three months because now the carnival is extended in, in Melbourne after Flemington to that, uh, yes. that uh, Caulfield meeting. Mm. So three months is a long time and, and trainers and owners have to be really clever in how they plot their path because, mm. you know, you can't have horses peaking too early when you consider, you know, what sort of uh, targets are they that they go for. So it's, it's not an easy time for, for no. trainers. And we're still... Um, what, 14th of October is the yeah. big day, the big crescendo for spring racing in Sydney with some some great racing on that day. And, of course, uh, the uh, the extra prize money into that mile wait for age, the King Charles on that day as well, Everest Day. And it could be that we see Mr Brightside and Fangirl sort of target that race. But on that point you're talking about, hopefully we'll be catching up with Matt Smith shortly. Buenos Nachos fits the profile for an Everest, a four-year-old, and a bit of a fine line for him too, um, to have that horse not peaking yesterday, but he's got to show him up. Mm. Um, and have him forward enough to show him up and get slot holders interested and then still have him right in six or seven weeks' time. The other uh, key component of, of this time of the year, and particularly with the three-year-olds, there's two paths that they can go. They either you're either a sprinter, or you're a miler, or miler come then come stay up. Uh, and sometimes you might be able to make a decision at this point of what you actually are. Mm. Cylinder's a good point, a good case in point in Melbourne. We think of him as a sprinter. But you'd sort of think in the background they'd be looking at a Caulfield Guinea. So this is the other time where they have to work out uh, just just where a horse is, is mo- where he's most effective, where he'll be strongest. And mm. you can only find out by racing them. Yeah, and of course um, the Golden Rose mm. for for that kind of a horse, a three year old, fourteen hundred meters. Is is he up to running that fourteen hundred meters? The horse that I'm most looking forward to coming back is Shinzo. Um, Wallace Slipper winner, he's looked great in two trials. He's got an, an unbelievable pedigree. And we saw Cylinder placed in the Golden Slipper come out to win yesterday, although it was a bit of a hard watch, wasn't it? Only a nose margin. And it took them a while to actually put the number up. But um, that gives you a bit of confidence, I guess, if you're a Shinzo fan. And um, can't wait to see him step out in the next few weeks. Tell me once again, what did they pay for Mr. Brightside? Well, 22000 I think um, he went through a ready-to-race sale in New Zealand. Um, and it's an interesting story. He's by a horse called Bull Bars, who was a terrific horse. When I say terrific, he was a good quality horse himself from the mere accessories. Mm. Um, so Bull Bars is um, a half to Epaulette, who's been a successful sire. And... Um, he actually won a, a CSAs around about 10 or 12 years ago. The sire, anyway, went to New Zealand, not commercial, deemed not commercial, but he was able to get Mr Brightside on the ground. And then um, a chap from Adelaide purchased him online, the sire, for about $22,000. Um, a guy called Mark Conroy 
and partners. Um, and, and last time I looked, he was sort of standing at Orange Court property near Pages Flat in South Australia. Um, so he's a horse with a decent pedigree, Bull Bars. Got this top horse, but deemed uncommercial. Mm. But the, well, we've got a long way around to what I was going to say, but 22,000. Good morning to my good friend, a well-known restaurateur in Adelaide, Justin Brooks, of course. Justin has um, had great success as an owner. He shared in the ownership of another award, and he actually knocked back a share in a horse. He was uh, uh, you know, asked to come into a horse for a modest amount of money for a, a reasonable share. And at the time, he said, no, it just doesn't suit me at the time. Well, of course, the horse was Mr. Brightside. <laughs> and every time Mr. Brightside wins, I like to say, good morning, Justin, because I know you're listening. <laughs> Don't feel too bad about it. Just think of how good the horse is, and I know you're very proud of him. Rightio, let's move on now and go to Randwick yesterday, and we will go to the Group 1, the Wing Stakes. The favourite was Zaki. They were all returning from a spell bar. One horse, 15 of the 16 were first up, but Zaki was the $4.80 favourite. And Linderman after the fast start leads the way. The favourite breathing down his neck now, Zaki. And quickly, Zaki went up to take the lead from Think It Over. The inside, Princess Grace. Fangirl on the outside running on. Princess Grace, the inside from Zaki. And now Fangirl has studied a lengthen. Fangirl wide out. Princess Grace, the inside. Princess Grace and Fangirl. Fangirl won the wing stakes. Fangirl right on the wire. Beat the American mare, Princess Grace and Zaki third. Then Hinge Dan do us Close up, further back to Ossipenko, rattling home with Montefilia. King Colorado, Francesco Guardi, think it over. Navajo Peak from Communist, Lindemann, Major Beal, Golden Mile and Mawunga. Yeah, she's now five years of age by Sebring. That was her 19th career start yesterday for her sixth win. But I think two points uh, have to come out here to to understand Fangirl and, and be a little bit sympathetic with Fangirl and her overall record. And her last campaign shows this. She only had four runs during the, the autumn. Three of them were behind Animo. Third, second, second. And then the seventh behind Mr Brightside in the Doncaster on a heavy track. Animo's not here anymore. And I think she's been not effective on heavy tracks. Her form shows that. So, you know, taking those things into consideration, uh, she's a very, very good mare. Mm. Some of her best runs have actually been in defeat. Mm. Um, remember that day at Rose Hill in the Golden Eagle? Just beaten. Yeah, um, and it was just great to see her win yesterday. And you, you couldn't help but think that she was targeting that race first up. Um, you know, the exhibition gallops, the trials that she was putting in. And she actually jumped pretty well yesterday for her and got into a reasonably handy position, back with a bit of cover. And when he produced her in possibly, you know, the right lane, it seemed as though, again, they wanted to get off the rails at Ramwick. Yeah, the track was um, just into the soft range. Um, and she managed to get up and score. And it's just an extraordinary story, the Debbie Capitas from the Ingham family tree associated with Winks, um, you know, part owner of uh, Fangirl and those fantastic colours uh, that we've become to love over the years, the Ingham family all cerise. Yeah, and, of course, the other important point to come out of this race, and I should have mentioned at the start, it was uh, rem- very remiss of me, uh, Chris Waller having a truckload of horses. I think he ran first, second, fourth and fifth in the race, named after his champion mayor. But yesterday was his 150th Group 1 success. That's extraordinary. So yeah. he, he trails Cummings and uh, Smith and Waterhouse on 154. So he's on 150. So That's unbelievable. He, you yeah. know, without being disrespectful to Gay and Adrian, I'd say he'll soon move to third. And let's face it, he's in the prime of his life. So Well, uh, think about how quick... It took to get that extra 50 because uh, when Winx had a final start in that Queen Elizabeth, it was only just over four years ago, uh, that was his 100th career Group 1 winner. And in four years, you know, um, yeah. he's, he's got another 50. And you're a smarter man than me. What was his first Group 1 success? No. You don't know? No, I, don't, I can't remember what happened yesterday. Triple Honour. Triple Honour. Doncaster of 2008. Yeah. So that's 15 years ago. Well, you've got one up on me already. I'm sure you'll square accounts by the end of it. Now, let's uh, let's dissect the race. Um, First things first, not run at a strong tempo. You mentioned the track was a soft... It was was, uh, reassessed to a soft six after race seven, or after race seven, so we're on a soft six. 124-1-1, home in 34-52. Now, that tells me that the pace was only moderate. So for horses to make ground from from back of the field, I think they get an extra tick. 
we were watching a lot of these horses for, from a future viewpoint for the spring. They were all resuming Bar Golden Mile. But I labelled these three as looking to have good spring carnivals. Ossipenko, Dewis and Monophilia. They were beaten 1.24, 1.77 and 2.21 respectively. So not far from the winner and out the back of the bus running on well. Yeah, I clearly had those three as well. Um, in particular, Montefilia, her trials have been fabulous and uh, she came from stone last down the outside. Again, we need to go back and have a look at whether there was a bit of a bias towards the outside. Um, and if that indeed is the case, um, um, the imported mare ran a terrific race, Princess, uh, Princess Grace. Grace, because she was settled third handy and, and then she was nearer the inside coming up the running. Dewis was slightly held up. She was super. But the one for me was, was Montefilia coming from last. I know she's had two cracks at a Caulfield Cup, two-fourths, but I'd love to see her have another go, you know, under the guidance of Chris Waller. I think she's $26. Dewis in the Caulfield Cup is $34 with Tab at the moment. A um, couple of others, David. Zaki was good. Just a word of warning. He always goes well fresh. He, whether he tapers off like we saw last preparation or whether he goes on with it is a little bit of a question. Think it over was super. First up since April of last year yeah. in the, the Queen Elizabeth, and he got a tight check late. A couple of others from the stewards' report. Golden Mile um, returned with a laceration to a stifle. He dropped right out of it. Lindemann... Uh, there was a tip for Linderman. He weakened out of it, and he was. Uh, they went over him after the race, and he was coughing continuously. So they've got to furnish a, a endoscopic examination before he starts again. And I'll mention one from a Queensland point of view, King Colorado, who was really <laughs> thrown into the deep end. Watching the replay, not saying he would have finished closer, but I will say that in the first part of the straight, so between the 400 and the 200, didn't have a lot of room to move. When he wanted to go, he couldn't really go. When I say couldn't go... He was, he was crammed between runners. So I described the runners inconclusive, but not beaten all that far. So oh. more than a pass mark, but not a lot of room in the straight. He, he could possibly target a, um, a golden rose, like 1,400 early in his preparation. If they target that race with him, he, you know, he did a really good job. I know he had the wait for age allowance there yesterday, but consider he only won a Kembla maiden, and then we're yet to see how the form out of that J.J. Atkins is going to sort of go ahead during this spring. But it was a good performance by him under the circumstances. Let's go to the first of the black type races yesterday. This was the Group 3 show county. We touched on very briefly about Buenos Notches. Here's his replay. He didn't run the favourite. In fact, I thought he was at quite good odds. We'll talk about that more later. But Kalino was the favourite for the Chris Wallyard. Jamie Carr riding at $3. So Dragonstone is the leader in a race with no speed. Dragonstone just from Kalino. Agentia wider out, followed by Fender rocketing by the fence. Then you called it. Now Buenos Notches slightly held up. Angling into the clear now, Buenos Notches. Three further back to extremely lucky. Dragonstone just the leader from Kalino. Agentia and Buenos Notches starting to lengthen well on the outside. And quickly, Buenos Notches moved up. Took the lead away from Dragonstone and Agentia. Running out a bit, Buenos Notches. But he's looking for that Everest spot and that's a big help today. Buenos Notches beat Argentia Dragonstone. Sky Lab thundering home at the end. Followed them by Kalino. Extremely lucky warming up when it was all over. From you called it Fender and rocketing by. Very good first up performance by Buenos Notches for Matthew Smith. Dylan Gibbons had the ride and as Darren pointed out of the call, a race uh, devoid of tempo for, for a 1200 metre race. So for Buenos Notches to give them a start and give them, in the end, a resounding beating was a tip-top performance. Yeah, Dylan Gibbons rode him beautifully, got him back with a bit of cover and rode him with a lot of confidence. Like, he, he knew that he had the big weight. He was first up. He nursed him, but he trucked up beautifully on the outside, didn't he? And um, I think uh, the slot holders are probably looking at him now. Well, let's talk more about it. The man who will know most is, of course, the trainer, Matthew Smith, and he joins us on Past the Post. Matthew, good morning. Morning, David and Michael. How are you going? Hello, going mate. really well, and I'm sure you are too, because that was a, a good mission accomplished yesterday. Got the job, not only got the job done, but got it done, uh, as I was mentioning with a horse called Lagalentia last week, it was the same with this horse yesterday. He showed he was the best horse in the race by the manner in which he won and where he had to come from. For sure, yeah. We, we, really, um, we really needed to see that yesterday from him, and uh, 
it was good to see that uh, he's come back in good order. Um, you know, he carried the weight and, and he was dominant. So, you know, we we wanted to see that from him. We, we know he's a good horse, but you always want to see that uh, first up. Matt, has he, he been kept as an entire, this fellow? He has, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, he's certainly developing a nice profile. And um, we were just touching on at the outset of the program this morning, um, the fine balance trainers have got to deal with the, with these days with carnivals, you know, stretching out over a long period of time. And you've got to try and show this horse off early. How fit was he yesterday for the race? Look, he'd had a couple of trials, but, you know, he hadn't raced for five months. So, like, he's, just, he's definitely got uh, natural improvement in him with just race with racing, um, and he's a much bigger, stronger horse now than what he was um, last prep. You know, he's a bit of a baby through last prep. He was always a bit immature, so he's definitely physically a bigger horse, and I think, you know, the run will bring him on. And, um, yeah, I just get these colts, you know, they generally take a couple of runs to get to their peak, so he's nowhere near his peak as yet, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of race starts. Well, I suppose the, the burning question with what we started with... Uh... Have you received some interest from slot holders for your horse for the Everest? Look, we've had um, interest prior to the race, and um, I guess we'll, we'll get a bit more. We haven't had anything since the run, but, you know, I guess this week's people will get together and have a talk about what they're going to do. But certainly prior to the race, um, quite a few of the slot holders were wanting to know where he was going and what he was doing. So uh, I think he put the writing on the wall yesterday, Um and, uh, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd be keen. So hopefully something will happen there. And can, you, can you outline those plans for us, Matt? Look, I'm not sure exactly which race he'll go to. Um, he'll either go, I, I think, either the Theo Marks or the, um, or the Shorts. So um, it'll be one of those two. I, I'll just see how he comes out of the run. Um, but both races are suitable. Um, so uh, three weeks between runs or four weeks will be OK, and then still got another run then between between then and the um, probably the premier stakes between then and the, uh, the Everest. I mentioned at the outset, I thought his price seemed generous, but it's almost like, it's amazing, isn't it? That was his eighth career start yesterday. That was his third win. But the bulk of his racing has been up the straight at Flemington. But then when you drill down on that form, he was racing the, the, the best uh, that the, the could be offered and racing well. So I was surprised he was such a good good price yesterday. Yeah, we we probably uh, we aimed high with him last prep. I mean, his prep through to the Coolmore was excellent, um, and it just it was it was just the way that the, the the programming worked out that we were back at in Melbourne again with him. Mm. Um, but he was he was always uh, a little bit immature, a little bit behind those other horses, especially when I looked at him uh, Newmarket Day in Melbourne. I sort of you know, I thought, geez, a little baby, you know, he's still a baby, the horse, you know. He, he um, like he, but he ran well. Uh, against very very good horses, so um, you know we've always had a high opinion of him. Um, so it was it was just relieving for me um, yesterday to see him just come back in that order and, and to get the job done. His work had been excellent going into the race, but you just want to see the horses um, come back to their best and and show that they they deserve to be in those races. Yeah, there have been some top horses around him, uh, the likes of In Secret, Cool and Gadder and, and Giga Kick as well. Mattis, uh, as David mentioned, he's only had uh, the eight starts. Has he developed a pattern? Is this a, like a hold-up pattern for him in a race? Is that the best result, do you feel? Well, I think it's, he's just got to travel in his comfort zone to have that turn of foot. And um, a couple of times in Melbourne when he when he raced well, he, he was sort of... Um, you know, mid or back a little bit and travelling. So I don't think he has to be back, really, but it just comes down to the tempo of the race. Um, Barrier yesterday, draws. he was probably back a fraction further than, than we thought. But, you know, like they, they, they sort of went a bit quick early and then they pulled up. So, look, I'm, I'm not sure, but he's got such a good finish. You know, I, I think, you know, races where there is plenty of speed will suit him, for sure. And just before you go, like, I think we're, what, six or seven weeks out till the Everest, October 14. I don't think we're bursting at the seams here at the moment in Australia with eight horses all or, or more ready to vie and get a slot on the Everest. We've got four locked in. There's still eight slots available. I think you'd be highly... Dis- I, 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 we'll put it this way, but I think we'll be seeing one of Stotches on Everest Day. 
Please God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I you think know, no doubt, good But everyone's just holding back, aren't they, at this yeah. time of the year? I mean, basically, the carnival got underway yesterday with the Group 1 and the good horses are back, just holding off a little bit. But the team's going well, Matt, just having a look at the results over the last few weeks. Yeah, no, we've had a good start to the season. And, uh, yeah, no, we've had some nice horses racing and... and um, you know, hopefully we've got some better ones, some of the younger ones coming through. Hopefully they, some of those will, will step up. But uh, every stable needs a bonus notches, don't they? Oh, absolutely, to fly the flag. And um, the stable, the system seems to work. Do you, have you acquired a property there just uh, north of Sydney? We have, yeah. We um, we purchased Luscombe Park a couple of years ago. Okay. And um, we're just developing that into a, a training facility. And uh, we're currently pre-training a few up there and we've, Put, put a track in and um, we're just trying to um, have the option now. I think last year proved that it works really well, the option to take the horses up for a, a week after they run. They go up to the farm and they have a week in the paddock and and we're still remaining work because we can work them up there and, and um, we've just found it an amazing to, to see how the horses do in three or four days, just how they rehydrate. And, and you know, I think I had a runner the other day that won. He, he, was, he had his 14th run for the preparation and he won it at Gosford and, and you know he'd been in over a year and but just you know just varying his training regime and keeping him stimulated and, and they can they can certainly race on you know it's right through the prep a little bit longer we've found so it's been great actually. Thanks for being with us today great launching pad for, for Modest Notches yesterday and continued success. Yeah, thanks for having us thanks very much. There is Matthew Smith joining us this morning let's push push on now looking back at the highlights of the black type races at Royal Ramwick yesterday traditionally the Princess Series starts with the the Silver Shadow. This was race nine on the card. As they come up to the turn now, 500 metres to go, and Taumina and Estriello stride for stride. Mumbai Muse keeps improving on the inside. Autumn Ballet's peeling deeper out. Further back to Private Legacy running on. Platinum Jubilee into the clear. Then came French Endeavour and three further back to Kamochi. Estriello leads here at the 250. Mumbai Muse the inside running on. Autumn Ballet. Kamochi thundering home. Estriello in front from Autumn Ballet. Kamochi wide out. Estriello and Autumn Ballet. Kamochi. Kamochi late, they hit it, Autumn Ballet got the bob, Autumn Ballet nosed out either Restriella or the fast finishing Kamochi, followed then by Amazonian last late from Mumbai Muse, summer loving hitting the line well wide out, then came Private Legacy, followed in by Platinum Jubilee then French Endeavour, Taumina Zardozzi, Lazago Cristelli's run last Excellent return by Autumn Ballet, of course she only had the two starts in the autumn, she won the Black Opal on debut and then a midfield finish in the Percy Sykes tipped out and back yesterday, third race start for, for Waterhouse and Bot. Yeah, you rarely see them win a black opal at their first start yeah. and she got um, everybody talking after that. Um, missed the slipper, had one run in the Percy Sykes. So just the abbreviated uh, debut prep and maybe that's been uh, the making of this horse. She returned in really good order. Got to give Adam Hieronymus a little bit of a wrap too. David, he'd been off for a long time. I think he had a little bit of a setback when he was coming back early in the winter. Uh, but um, he's getting a stack of winners and, and getting a lot of opportunities from the Waterhouse Spot Stable. They're obviously supporting him. And no doubt he'll be hoping he can continue on with this filly because she looks to be pretty good. And uh, like every trainer, you know, we, we spoke to Matt with Buenos Noches. Every jockey needs a good horse as well. 100%. The Group 3 Toy Show is our next race to listen back to. Zoo Gotcha was making her racetrack return like many horses yesterday and she went to the post, the $2.60 favourite. The 600 metres, how's the serenity? A neck in front to Queen of the Ball. North Star last three out, Parasol four out. Cinderella Day's getting a good cart behind them as they straighten up now. How's the serenity in front? Queen of the Ball shifted ground. There's plenty of room for Cinderella Days. On the outside is Parasol. A North Star lasso got you well off them. A further back to Ladybrook making some ground. Queen of the Ball led. 175 out. Queen of the Ball from Parasol. Cinderella Days who got you too far back. Queen of the Ball just in front of Paracel, Paracel driving and Paracel got up to win it. Paracel got up right on the line to nail Queen of the Ball and Lady Brooke closing off into third. Then Cinderella Days from Al Bellagio Miss and Zoo Gotcha. Just too sharp for her today. Then North Star Lass, How's the Serenity Petulant and Maliva's um, pulled up pretty sharply. Yes, this was... Um a very good win because she drew a wide gun and she was a victim of a wide barrier. She covered extra ground, but she was still too good for them. 
Of course, uh, she earned black type during the autumn, winning the... The PJ Bell and another Group 3 on the board there yesterday. Yeah, dual Group 3 winner now. That's what it's all about with Godolphin, isn't it? Um, by their stallion astern. She's uh, just turned four, so the future's pretty bright. And uh, seven starts now, four wins. Uh, don't often see Jean Van Overmeer wearing the Godolphin blue, but um, um, he'd written a winner for them previously and got the opportunity on this mare yesterday. Uh, 53 kilos, good performance by her. She had to dig deep there. She cruised up and had to dig deep late. Uh, Zoo Gotra, I think just forget about it. I liked her yesterday, feeling that nice and fresh she might get home over the top of them. That didn't eventuate. She was working to the line nicely, and we've got to bear in mind that the winner did have 53, and she had five kilos more, mm. probably anchored a little bit first up under the 58 and a half. So looking forward to her stepping out to maybe 1,400 metres uh, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, McDonald was fairly uncommittal. He just said uh, there wasn't the same, virtually the same zip there that, that normally she produces. So yeah. we'll put her in the forgive file. And just mentioning Paracel, you mentioned she's by a stern out of the mare circular. So that makes her a half-sister to Cylinder, who, of course, won for Godolphin yep. at Caulfield mm. yesterday. So she's an outstanding producing mare circular. Our last replay at uh, Randwick yesterday. We'll go to the sixth race of the day. And this was the Premier's Cup. Mark Snell in front from Fancy Man. Then came Military Mission. Hosier starts a run from Bois de Jean the outside. Faulkner Park still a mile back. Up the rise now and Hosier makes the move at the 250. Hosier ran to the front. Bois de Jean's giving chase. Hosier two lengths in front there from Bois de Jean. Faulkner Park not in the picture. Hosier in front here in the Premier's Cup. Loving the soft conditions and Hosier too good. Now a brave Military Mission fought on to be in a photo for second with Bois de Jean. Followed by Cleveland, then came Fancy Man, further back to Bonnie Ezra, then Desert Icon, born to King Athabaskan, King Frankel, Raging Bull. Not sure if Faulkner Parks enjoyed the soft conditions. He hasn't really picked up there. Uh, finished well back in the field from Point and Peony and Fortune and Gear Up. Worth elaborating on what Darren said about loving the soft conditions because that was his eighth career win yesterday, Hosier, from only start 17. But all wins have been on soft or heavy, so he obviously appreciates him given the track. Mark Minervini, of course, trains him now. Yes, um, he's had a couple of different trainers. He started his career in Ireland, this fellow, by Camelot, and I think they've got a bit of a bargain. Uh, Mark Minervini and his owners. Uh, this horse is a seven-year-old, but he actually doesn't turn seven, being a Northern Hemisphere-bred galloper until January or February mm. of next year. So well, he's only had the um, 17 starts. That's his eighth victory. And it was only May of this year that they bought him online for $100,000. So uh, I think if uh, Mark can keep him sound and get tracks with a bit of give in the ground, they're going to have a lot of fun with him. 100%. That's the profile of racing at Royal Randwick yesterday. The Group 1 wing stakes, of course, being the feature. Let's take a break here on Pass the Post. When we come back, we'll look back at Caulfield yesterday. You're listening to Radio Tab's Pass the Post with David Fowler and Michael Maxworthy. Racing at Caulfield yesterday uh, on a good four track, but I think it was fairly apparent from early in the day and it never changed during the day that the inside part was a no-go zone. We'll, we'll talk more about that when we discuss the races, but let's go firstly to the feature. The Group 2 PB Lawrence, Mr Brightside, won this race last year. He's a Group 1 performer and as such he was the favourite yesterday at $2.35. 500 to go. Buffalo River sealed up the speed as it loves to do. Three quarters of a length, Western Empire. Two lengths to Edison. Mr. Brightside's creeping forward. Tracked by Pinstripe to Trishan White. Then came Chassis under pressure from Pounding. And well back in the field then is Tuvalu. So it's Western Empire and Buffalo River with Mr. Brightside closing in. 250 to go. Mr. Brightside ambles up and race clear. Then Pinstripe pounding and attrition behind them. But Mr. Brightside, 100 metres to go. We'll go back to back, too good, supremely good, won it by two lengths second pinstripe from Aegon and then Attrition and Tuvalu running through the line, behind them pounding, forgot you's run a race a long gap, Uncle Bryn Buffalo River then came Western Empire Eagle Power, Chassiel Bodegon and last was Edison He justified his short price favouritism Mr Brightside and took his record to 24 starts for 12 wins, so it's a 50% Winning strike rate one in two. Craig Williams riding for the training partnership of the brothers, Ben, Will and JD. And no surprises here, he was the best horse of the race for Mice and accordingly won. It was like um, sort of rinse and repeat. He did what he did last year. He won the Doncaster and then this race. So he's um, first up 
you know, uh, absolutely sensational there. He really had it under control a long way from home and, and was too good making it back-to-back PB Lawrence Stakes. He's just a... A wonderful miler. That was 1,400. We know he's been great at Randwick over the mile. I just wonder what his pet distance is, this horse. Well, you'd have to say on facts and figures it is a mile. I mean, yeah. two Doncasters and an all-star mile. Um, I suppose there's that temptation to, to go to a Cox plate again, and uh, which, of course, last year he failed at. But I thought Craig Williams' comments were interesting post-race yesterday, and always, you know, his comments are always of significance. I thought they were of extra significance yesterday when he said that this horse has actually gone to a new level and you might find that hard to understand considering he's now a six-year-old, but he's a six-year-old. He was a lightly raced six-year-old, as we just pointed out, like only the 24 starts, but he uh, he has complete faith in, in the Hayes boys of where they'll head and you'd probably think, you know, with that forte at the mile... That King Charles race in October 14 yeah. looks an ideal target, doesn't it? Absolutely, and importantly, it's it's run at weight for age over the 1,600 metres. He's probably going to be weighted out now of those handicaps. Mm. I think his first Doncaster, he had 50 and a half or 51, then 55 and a half, um, and he's been terrific since then. So, yeah, it, it probably going to be weight for age racing from here on in for him. Yeah, so with the King Charles on the 14th of October and then, you know... More than likely, you'd think they'd have another Cox go at the plate. Cox Plate in two weeks' time. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the the, ch- the Champions Mile race during the mm. the spring. And even um, even a uh, Hong Kong Mile, perhaps. I know there was talk this time last year of that being on the cards. Um, so there's just so many options with a horse like this. 24 starts, 12 wins, eight and a half million in the bank. Yeah, just extraordinary. We we dissected the Winx race from a, the, the beaten point of view. Anything that struck you here? I thought Aegon ran well from yeah. the back. Yeah, but he just sort of had seem, seemingly had a lap on them, didn't he? Yeah, and and the important point about this race, in contrast to the Winx, this was running a strong gallop. We know that a horse like Buffalo River just likes to get out there, rip and run. At that time, one twenty one seventy one. Uh, only half a second outside of Exceed Excel's record, one twenty one two, which is very fast. Yeah. Um, and it was a good track yesterday, but but pace on all the way. And he had to follow that strong pace and then finish it off. So he did. So a great return, and um, his path looks fairly predictable. You'd like to think. We were happy to have a chat with Ben, but he's unavailable. So we'll talk with him later in the week, or Stephen might catch up with him yeah. in uh, racing HQ during the week. But there are other black time races we want to talk about at Caulfield yesterday. Let's go to the seventh race of the day. Big Queensland interest here in the Quisette, of course, because the Magic Millions winner, Skirt the Law, made her racetrack return as an early season three-year-old. Tis Enough is the leader as they reach the 700 metres. Tried to get a breather from Princess Jew. Hello. Sicilian three wide. Yulin over behind those horses. Then She's All Shenanigans. Jockey rowing along there. And then came Show Royale. Skirt the Lord Charmstone. Zazuku. And also Dasonic Boom. They come up to the corner at the 400 metres. It's Tis Enough in front of Sicilian Princess Jew. Hello. Then came Yulin over behind those horses. She's All Shenanigans. Skirt the Lord sticks to the inside. And Charmstone being brought up the middle and is coming on, it's Tis Enough, joined by Sicilian at the 200, Yulin over the inside, Charmstone and Skirt the Law is starting to get through between Phillies at the 100, Charmstone just in front, Skirt the Law won't get her Charmstone won it by a next Skirt the Law Sicilian third from Tis Enough to Sonic Boom, then She's All Shenanigans next to finish in the race was Yulin over Zuko, then Show Royale and a long last Princess Jew Hello. Well Charmstone won, uh she was an expensive filly for Connections and, and Michael Price and Michael Kent Jr. She was first up yesterday. Uh, I'm not I'm not downplaying her win and I'm not making an excuse for Skirt the Law, but when you consider the margin between the pair wasn't great, I think one probably followed a, a better path being wider. Was, is that fair yeah, comment? Yeah, I think so. She did loom up on the outside and um, Skirt the Law, I don't know whether she would have won, but... The Waterhouse spot horse, Sicilian, who was in front at the top of the straight, as soon as they turned, was just wobbling out a little bit, probably under a bit of pressure. So Ryan Maloney had to sort of extricate even wider, like mm. getting her around heels. And whilst that was going on, um, Charmstone had, had the full head of steam up on the outside. She's very good there. And it was no surprise she'd been working very well. Her jump out and trial was good before she went down and she had a couple of, ex, well, not exhibition gallops, but early morning gallops, the Melbourne, the reverse way at Doombin. So she was perfectly schooled for a, a good first up run and she almost pulled it off. So she's got a group three 
placing on the mantelpiece yeah. now. And it was good to see her run well because there was a, maybe not a big cloud, just a little cloud over after that, that run of the sweet embrace. And there were a few. I know Mark Hunter yesterday was maybe questioning the Magic Millions form and he's entitled to do that. But mm. I thought her run yesterday, and as I said, I, you know, if she'd been able to maybe find a, a better lane or a quicker lane, because it was quite obvious from midway through the day that the jockeys were avoiding the rail like the plague. They were yeah. they were racing off the fence a fair way from home. Yeah, absolutely. But the winner, I think she could be a little bit mm. special too, um, Charm Stone. I remember um, listening to Mick Price... Um, she finished third at her first start in the Maribyrnong back in October last year, and then she won the Ottawa down the straight, and uh, she was well in the market for the Magic Millions. She did cost, as you mentioned, a, a pretty penny, $1.5 million, um, a filly by him, Invincible. And at that point, he said, no, we're not going to go to the Magic Millions. We're interested in Group 1, so we're going to concentrate on the Blue Diamond with her. And then uh, she failed in the, uh, the Prelude uh, behind Exploring, and apparently she had pharyngitis she had a um a nasty issue there so they turned her out she's had a good spell and she returned in really good order she's obviously a real talent so and they did go slightly faster than the boys division yesterday i was going to point that out 1282 compared to the the vein 1314 is pharyngitis like is that like a female laryngitis (laughs) what is it what is pharyngitis you don't know i think it is yes it's a it's a a minor throat issue that that she got over what's the difference between it and laryngitis i don't know (laughs) Actually, no, it's a hard brother. Yeah, anyway, mm. uh, uh, certainly big tick Charmstone and uh, and a good tick to, to skirt the law. Just up before we leave that race, I wonder what path she'll plot now, skirt the law. What, what's her old Yeah, day? three-year-old filly, um, strong at the end of 1100, strong in the Magic Millions 1200. Yeah, interesting. Maybe, maybe, you know, not a long campaign because she's a Magic Millions graduate, so, you know, the guineas in January. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's up and running nice and early, but um, I'm, I'm sure she'll have a, a few more starts down there in the south. Whether they keep it to just all fillies or mm. have a crack at uh, the boys as well, not too sure. But she's by better than ready. She's a homebred. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, developing a very, very nice CV when she eventually uh, goes to start. That's another job for Stephen to ring Tony Gollan during the week yes. and have a chat with him. So <laughs> we're building up a nice portfolio for Stephen there to... to handle next week on Racing HQ. Let's go to the last of our uh, replays from Caulfield yesterday, and we've touched on this, the Vane Stakes. This was for the boys, the three-year-old Colts and Yellings, and Cylinder was making his racetrack return. He was a short price favourite. Up to the turn, Ouroboros at the 400 metres, spearheads the field, led by a length and a quarter, Cracker Rib who cuts the corner, Cylinders nice and close, then Little Bros to the middle, and I Am Unstoppable trying to sool into the race, Ouroboros at the 250, Cylinders about to amble up on the outside, I Am Unstoppable late with She Light, still Ouroboros, Cylinder not there yet, digs in at the 50, Ouroboros, Cylinders diving head, Bobber, photo, photo finish. Ouroboros or Cylinder. Then I am unstoppable. She light, little bros, a gap, cracker rib and VC. And we're going to have to wait for the judge. Mm. Spot on, Matt Hill. And I tell you what, I saw the, the video still. Couldn't pick it from that, Goodness could you? gracious. You'd, that I'm, black line. I needed my 16 by 50 binoculars to train <laughs> on to try and find that nose. But it was there somewhere. Must have been really close to a, a DH. Oh, no, no mm. risk at all. No risk at yeah. all. But, but the favourite backers were happy with Cylinder getting the judge's verdict. And this is one of the the, the, the big guns for, for Godolphin during the spring. Uh, we, we spoke with Vin Cox last week. So you'd imagine a Golden Rose? Yeah, um, you would think so. Um, he had to go 1,400 in Messiahs, but it was a heavy nine when he mm. failed that day. So he'd be worth having a crack at. But they've got to protect this guy's stud value. Mm. Um, so they'll be very, very careful where they place him. Um was it good enough to for them to consider him for their Everest slot? In secret, of course, they'll be considering as well. But um, this race was won by Giga Kick last year. Mm. He came out of this, then he won another race, and then he won the Everest as a three-year-old. So um, Cylinder wasn't anywhere near as impressive as Giga Kick was 12 months ago. Nevertheless, you know, he's a cult, this fellow, and... Um, he managed to, to dig deep enough to just get up and score there yesterday. We'll get Stephen to ring of in Cox. <laughs> Are you listening, Stephen? You've got a bit of work oh, to, to yes. do when you get back oh, here he on Tuesday. It. He loves it. Of course it. he does. 
They were the highlights from Caulfield yesterday. Also an honourable mention to Savannah Cloud on the list of Regal Roller. Uh, Philip Stokes trains. Very good um, last campaign, uh, but went to a new level, getting black type against his name there, scoring with uh, Daniel Moore riding. So that was Caulfield. Let's now move to home territory. We go to Doombin yesterday, where we raced basically in the true position. Uh, perfect. That was the big mecca fest yesterday. And they, they, I thought they behaved themselves pretty well, the young people. It was a really good atmosphere yesterday. Yes, yeah, they're all um, dressed up to the nines, uh, the young people. Um, entertainment was obviously very good. We had a camera in there keeping an eye on them. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd they got compared to the actual People's Day, you know, the Wednesday during the mm. exhibition. Mecca Wednesday transferred to Saturday yesterday, but the weather was was good. But the track played well yesterday. There was a pad on the inside that was protected, Dave, and I think that was a bit of an advantage. Mm. Um, if, if you got back and had to come wide down the outside... I think you did pretty well. I, I actually wrote down a few, which we might, just before we close the program, uh, maybe some horses to follow from yesterday, Turnbin. Why do people get dressed to the nines? Why don't they dress to the tens? Yeah. Well, nobody's perfect. Another question you can't answer. No. We'll leave that one for Stephen. Let's go to race number seven, and Hatchet was the favourite here. Travelling up to the home turn, just over 400 left to Rana, and Orbison will turn in the lead from Situation Room. Then came Dragon Miss, followed by Hatchet looking for a Rana, then five Oxford. All that possess pulled to the outside. They've got a bit of work to do, the favourites, and Zuma California's running on generously. It's still Orbison. Orbison, the leader from Situation Room. All that possess running on powerfully now, but Orbison's still the leader. 50 to go. All that possess up to second. Orbison all the way in great form. Made it the hat trick. Beat home, all that pizzazz, situation room at Hatchet. Then Darlam at Red Ruby, Zuma, California. Dragon Miss and Five Oxford in 14.17. Yeah, first out and first home for owner Jan McMillan. Congratulations, mm. Jan. David Van Dyke does the training. And it was Paul Hamlin in the saddle yesterday. He's joining us now on Past the Post. Paul, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, David. Pleasure to have you on the on the air. Uh You've clicked with this horse well his past two. This was a horse, Paul, that started with a, a big reputation because he won a, a, a few races in a row. I'm not saying the wheels fell off, they didn't, but he then had a, a, a run of outs. He's back in form again. Tell us about your association with this horse. Oh, I, uh, it was a bit of a handful for a while. Trials. He, yeah, Sunshine Coast, you couldn't get him to the barriers. And David, we took him away to trials at Deegan and end up, when you go away from home, he's a lot of um, more well-behaved horse. So um, I, that's what I did. I rode him a few trials for David and I was lucky enough to get on him and win, him, win a class four at Ipswich, um, first of the three wins I've had on him. And, uh, yeah, win, winning that day at Ipswich, I probably didn't think he'd go as far as he had the last two starts. But um, for some reason, he's, uh, he's uh, back to the old Orbison from the start and I don't know if it's... Uh, uh, the nicer winter time we've got at the moment, the milder weather or something, but it's uh, something's working for him. Yeah, well, um, you're obviously working for him with a, a great record on Orbison. Paul, just tell us about the horse's antics. Um, I remember as a, as a young horse being there at the sunny coast, I think Ryan Maloney was riding him, and sometimes he'd be in reverse in the mounting yard. Again, yesterday, he was sort of exempt from the parade. Has he actually got any better with a bit of maturity on his side? The, what, what's happened is it's Dave has managed things. We've worked him out. So he comes in straight into the enclosure late. I just jump on him and we go straight out the closest gate to the enclosure and I just work him off and go around to the barrier at three-quarter pace and that seems to work. So that's what we're doing and we just stick to that each stick to time it. we go away and it's working. Mm. And when you... I've, I've noticed in the, in the past two wins when you've ridden him, there's no, there's no uh, let up here. You jump him, you ride him positively, you let him run, and he seems to respond to that. Yeah, it might look like a let him run, but I actually, when I get to the, you know, find the fence, which he does pretty easy. Like yesterday, I was actually, he doesn't begin and get going. It mm. takes a while to get momentum. And I thought in the first 100 metres yesterday, I thought I was going to be sitting outside that uh, horse inside me and, all of a sudden, he just took the bit and travelled, and I thought, oh, well, I'll go across the fence. And he did that quite comfortably. And when I got there, 
like last start there, I, I, I put him back on the bottle. I don't let him run. I put him back on the bottle so he's comfortable with himself. And then, uh, well, it was a lot easier yesterday. I just thought me when a month ago, I thought, look, I don't know if we got any more improved. And I just thought those two golems, they seem to be fancying or more. And I thought they'll probably run over to the finish to be truthful. I thought we might run third or fourth. But when I straightened up yesterday, they just he just showed more acceleration than he did a month ago. So he's he's obviously come on from the last win. Yeah, it, it, 1,200 metres has um, been a distance that he's been able to win at. But um, is that as far as he wants to go? Have you got to get the timing right with him when you really go for him full bore? Uh, I just, I just, I think, that, you know, I think he'll win another 1,200. But look, David just replicated the last win, previous win, 11, 10 of Durban and yeah. everything worked. So it was the right race. But yeah, it's, when you can get to the lead like that, there might be a race something might take him on and it won't be that easy. But when he can get to the lead without doing much on him, on his own accord, he's hard to beat. You know, he's cheap signals in the middle and then you've got something left to finish off with. Yeah. Well, Orbison's putting you up in the city lights again, Paul Hamlin, but but basically, just looking through your record, it's have saddle, will travel. You, you, you're happy to go to any Saturday non-tab meeting and, and ride and, and ride winners? Yeah, well, that's with the weight scale, with the, with the benchmark systems, since it's come in for the last, you know, seven or ten years, it's helped me keep going. I mm. kind of come back from riding over the jumps in Victoria and thinking, well, you know, I'll just, um, uh, just cruise around the country and just pick up the heavy ones. And it's, yeah, this is what it's led to. But I, I was going to go to Roma or Gimpy on Saturday if this horse that changed their mind didn't go. There was people waiting until acceptances on Wednesday in case they decide not to go for wide draw. And, uh, yeah, I... I Probably be at uh, Warren next week or somewhere. Are you um, living on a farm, Paulie? Can I hear chooks in the background? Yeah, I'm up at uh, Peachester. Probably only about 800 metres from uh, Peachester Lodge. Is okay. that crow flies. So I'm, I've got seven acres up here. It's a little hobby farm. And if you don't mind me asking, what do you ride at comfortably? What can you ride at comfortably? Comfortably? 64. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 64. Well, we rode at 60 yesterday. Well, uh, yesterday, yeah, I'm probably 64 winter, 64 to 65 winter time, and then summertime I'd walk around 62, 63, the best, you know. But, like, yeah, I had to sweat hard Friday yeah. night, and, and, well, I had plenty of time yesterday. I was on the way for the first, and I found out my horse was scratched as I was riding to the races, so I was there five hours before me ride, so I had plenty of time wow. to jump in the spa at uh, Doom yesterday, so it was a pretty cruisy day. And do you um, ride anything? David said that after the race. Said Paul's just such a great asset to the stables. He'll ride horses that that, that other riders don't want to ride. Um, um, is that right with you? Will you jump on anything? Uh, yeah. Well, probably just well, I was brought up in Clifton Apprenticeship. You, we had to ride whatever's in the stable. And yeah, there's some horses that some riders are, you know. Um, uh, do you be spared jumping on? Well, I'm happy to give it a go. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind doing something to go if they're having trouble with. They always say it's rude to ask a lady's age, but apparently with guys it's all right. How old are you now? Oh, I'm, I'm only a senior jockey. I'm not in the vintage age yet. I'm in the yeah, 50s, so... You've been a bit coy there. Yeah, um, and yeah, you had well, a... I'm only a senior rider. Senior yeah. riders are from 40 to 60, and the vin- uh, veteran riders are over 60. That's so right. I'm only a senior right at the moment. That's how we look at it these days. Everything's changed. And, and of course, just remind us of your association with Falvalon. We're going back mm. probably 2000, aren't mm. we? The year 2000, Paul? It's 2000, 2001, I think. Yeah. Hong Kong races were, yeah. yeah. Um, you went there with him and rode him work? Yeah, I went the two years he won over there. I didn't go the third year and he was. Pace, but I went for two years and uh, rode and work over there, yeah. Thanks for joining us this morning. Great story for all involved. Yourself and Jen, I know she loves the horse, and, and David has, has managed him really well. It's great to see him back in winning form, and great to see you. Well, you're always in winning form, but in winning form in the city, and good to talk to us this morning. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Mike. There he is, Paul Hamlin, joining us. It's been a good story, hasn't it, with um, Jen? get the age, Millen. though. No, no, there was no way. You're never going to get it out of him. Um, Very appropriately, Jan McMillan wins a race around Eckert time because, of course, she was an RNA counsellor. She was the ringmaster and uh, always decked out uh, most impressively. Absolutely. Splendid. Oh, absolutely. Splendid. And uh, she would be delighted with all this. And the the Gimpy Muster was on yesterday. 
See, Jan. there's something that I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think Jan would have been no, at the no. races yesterday. She would have been at the muster there at Gympie. She would have been at Gympie. Mm. Let's go to the, the following race. Ray said this was the welter, and here's the replay. Oh, 43-37. That's a very fast first split. Leaders will stop coming to the turn. RNT leads away from Sir Warwick. Shaquiro sweating on Arana. Don't stop. Pull to the outside. Then don't apart. Animate with something to offer but can't get clear. On our wide Palavas. Irish Song's putting in. And then came Alamia. Still a leader though is RNT. He's gone hard. They haven't got him as yet. RNT with 100 metres to go is well clear. Shaquiro emerging for a place. Then don't stop. Setting stop. I was dead set right. Wrong. R&T, a big win. Beat home Shaquiro. Third don't stop. And fourth over the line was Alabia. Then Paladas, Sir Warwick Bonaparte. Followed by Animate Irish Songs, Stampy Lasting Kiss. And last over the line, Broken Hero in 118.56. That's an excellent gallop on a winner's track. And R&T with the blinkers on yesterday. Far more forward forward, all right? Out yeah. there cutting out a, a fast speed. Now, the reason I gave myself a, a whack up on a the uppercut after the race, because honestly... And I'll go to the wire on this. 99 times out of 100, if I see that sectional come up like that, 43-37, I can tell you that's fast and they don't win. So that was not only to win, but pull mm. away from it them. pulled away. Yeah, Unbelievable. Uh, compared with its performance two weeks ago at Eagle Farm. Almost a career-best performance, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. The blinkers going on. Um, back to Doombin. Horses for courses. Um, he clearly loves the Doombin surface yesterday and he didn't give any, any horse a look in. So well done to Chris Ma for uh, tinkering the gear and uh, got a good result out of R&T yesterday. He's a four-times Doombin winner. Orbison led all the way, R&T led all the way and here's another leader home in the lucky last. Onto the home turn now, short of 400 left to Rana. Azarich heads for home in front. How much gas in the tank? He leads from Olympic legend about to try and get on terms. Uncle Russ now bursting out of the pocket. Then I am lethal. Here's on down the outside. Al Magnus and also Shah of Goma. Azarich the leader. Al Magnus the outside. Then Aja. Azarich the inside. Al Magnus the outside. Then Shah of Goma. Big finish coming up on the last. Azarich trying to hold on. Did he? Not sure. Azarich or Al Magnus in a photo finish. From Shire of Gamer and Magic Conqueror. Then came Collie Spirit Early Thoughts, Uncle Russ, a Moody Bay sidearm, subterranean, Scottish Prince. I am lethal, 45 Park Lane, Olympic legend, last over the line in 1974. Bless his heart, as a reach got the judges, not from mm. our Magnuson Shire of Gamer. Michael Carl running for Danny Bagore. Yes, um, great combination, loyal to each other, and that was a good performance yesterday because he seemed to be zooming along in the lead as well. Can you recall what his split was? Well, I was too scared to mention it because I thought, I'm not going to imagine me going two in a row and getting it wrong. Yeah. He, but he ran sub 44, I think 43.7, yeah. so uh, he burned the candle at both ends. We've just about run out of time. Horses to follow? Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, I thought Pocketful, he sort of sluggish out of the gates, mm. but he got home strongly under a big weight down the outside. I think Michelle, all he needs to draw is a decent barrier, and mm. if they go the claim again, Situation Room, another one that's got up in the handicaps, paying the price for those consecutive wins last prep. I think if they go the claim, three kilos off next time, he'll win. And Alabir in that fast run race, he mm. came from Stone Mother's last in the R&T race. He could be a good middle distance horses for us to latch on to over the next few months. He's probably going to be better placed here than in the, the spring in Melbourne. That's four horses to follow. I wanted five, but I'll get Stephen to work on one for next week. He's got a bit of work to do. Good on you, Michael. Okay, thank you, David. Bye Michael Maxworthy joining us this morning here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company. Hope you enjoyed the show. I look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow. All of our regular panellists, all the latest news, and always interested in what you think. You have a good day. Bye-bye.